Good morning. An old-time American evangelist named Billy Sunday, popular in the early part of the 20th century, once said, The best thing that could happen to a man would be to get saved at a revival meeting and then walk out into the street and get run over by a truck. Wow. What does a statement like that say about his theology? It says that he thinks the most important thing in life is to walk down the aisle of a church and give your life to Christ. That is the high point of your earthly life. Apparently, after that, it's all downhill. This view discounts the whole idea, the whole idea of the Christian life. It discounts what we are actually called to do as people of faith on this earth. Some churches only seem to do evangelism. Others, only social action. Somehow we surely have to balance the two. We are not reconciled to God for heaven alone. Surely the best thing is not to die quickly, but to make a difference with the fullness of the life God gives us. The people in the prophet Amos's day were a lot like Billy Sunday in that they thought that worship was all that mattered. There were many people who regularly came to the temple and offered their sacrifices, but they were living lives that were not consistent with their religious actions on the Sabbath. God sent Amos to point out their great short-sightedness and to soften their hearts toward the vulnerable among them. Amos prophesied during a time when Israel was enjoying great political and economic power. In modern terms, we might describe this period as a time when the economy was booming and worship attendance was up. The people thought that if they performed the right sacrifices, it didn't matter how they lived the rest of the time. Now, Amos was an unlikely person to be a prophet, especially a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. That is because he was from Tekoa in Judah, the southern kingdom. Amos describes it this way, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman and a farmer of sycamore figs. And Yahweh took me from following the flock, and Yahweh said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Since Amos was an outsider, he had to use a creative technique to get the people to listen to his message of judgment. He begins his speaking with a condemnation of Israel's enemies. Only after getting their attention by condemning other nations and tribes surrounding Israel, does he come to mention the primary reason for his message. Amos shifts and begins listing some examples of their abuse in the second chapter, saying, They have sold the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. They trample on the dust of the earth, on the head of the poor, and deny justice to the oppressed. 
And a man and his father use the same maiden to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down beside every altar on cloths taken in pledge. And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. These were the kinds of matters God cared enough about to call Amos to be a prophet for. He tells it like it is. You might say, as he implores them to listen, saying, Listen to this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who then tell your husbands, bring us drinks. In his message, he points back to their great misjudgment of what they previously thought was sufficient action in relation to God. Yes, though you offer me your burnt offerings and meal offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat animals. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. This surprising judgment forced them to reckon with the true nature of their hearts, their true disregard for the welfare of the vulnerable among them. Going through the motions of worship with no change of heart conveyed only noise to the ears of God. Amos contrasts their superficial religious actions by making a great appeal to the nature of true worship, saying, But let justice roll on like rivers, and righteousness like a mighty stream. In the Hebrew Bible, the word for justice means first and foremost that the neediest in society are cared for. Therefore, a a just society is measured best by the level of mutual care demonstrated among its citizens. Amos points to the fact that our true spirituality can also be measured in this way. The the solution to the problem of the people of Israel was clearly presented a few verses before today's reading in chapter 5. Seek Yahweh and you will live. But for most of us, aligning ourselves like a plumb line with God's vision of justice and righteousness means we must be prepared to change our lives. And that is not easy work. Martin Luther once said that reading the Bible is like undergoing surgery. There's something inside us that will kill us, but it is painful to have it removed. That surgery entails turning to God and intentionally turning away from our injustice. And yes, that will be painful. This message of justice is not just an Old Testament message. Jesus was equally concerned about issues of justice. He talked more about how we treat others, how we spend our money and our attitudes toward life than anything else during his earthly ministry. Recall in Matthew 25, we read, For I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. There's a great story about Mother Teresa that helps us make the shift that Amos was pointing toward from mere worship to living worship. Mother Teresa was once invited to a hunger conference in Bombay. As the story goes, she lost her way and arrived late at the appointed place. On the steps outside, she noticed a man dying of hunger. Instead of rushing in to apologize to those at the conference for her lateness, she didn't show. She took this man and fed him. Inside, they were talking about so much food supply and so many years, statistics here, statistics there, while a real person had been dying on the steps outside. There's another great moment people share of her life when a wealthy woman visiting Calcutta from America found Mother Teresa. She was so moved by encountering Mother Teresa that she whipped out her checkbook and said, I want to write you a check to support your work. Mother Teresa looked up, shook her head, and said, No money. What? The lady replied. No money? You won't take my money? I have a lot of money. This money can help you. And again, she said, no money. No money? Well, then what can I do? Mother Teresa smiled, that unique smile she will forever be known for, and took this woman by the hand and said, come and see. She led this woman deep into the barrios of Calcutta, searching until finally she came upon a small, grimy child. And she said, take care of her. And so the woman took a cloth and bathed the little girl, took a spoon and fed her. And she reported later, as she told this story, that her life was changed. When Mother Teresa first came to the United States, she made a great speech in New York in which she said, you don't have to go to Calcutta to share in my work. Calcutta is wherever you are. Wherever you are, there are people who hurt, who need love. Find them, love them. For in loving them, you love Jesus. Another great Catholic saint from the 16th century, Teresa of Avila, said, Christ has no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ looks out on a hurting world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which 
he is able to bless now. This day, may we continue to be the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus. Will you pray with me? Holy One, we give thanks this day for the many blessings that you offer us, even in the midst of chaos in our world and especially in our nation. We thank you for the many blessings that we may have overlooked this morning. Remind us, O oh God, and remind us that you have given us the power to be your hands and feet, to offer the fullness of who we are to our neighbors this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.